welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. My child, obey the teachings of your parents and wear their teachings as you would a pretty hat or a lovely necklace. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Contemporary English Version. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay, and today we're going to begin a new series on Anchored by Truth that we call Raising Christian Kids in a Creepy Culture. Frankly, that's job number one for every Christian parent today. Parents must make consistent, conscious, and disciplined choices to raise a Christian kid in that creepy culture. And today we're going to hear the story of someone who has done just that. In the studio today, we have Candy Coates. Candy worked for the state of Florida for 30 years and spent several years as a senior administrator. She also helped her husband build a very successful legal practice. Just about every family that has ever built a successful small business knows the business success is a team effort. But most importantly, Candy and her husband raised two children who have strong and solid Christian faiths of their own and are building careers and lives for themselves. Candy shared her own story with us on an earlier episode of Anchored by Truth. But today, we want to shift the focus and talk about how to raise Christian kids that have strong, enduring faiths of their own. And we strongly believe that the foundation must be built purposefully, and you must start early. Candy, hello! Is there anything you'd like to say as we get started talking about raising Christian kids in a creepy culture? Yes! Thank you so much for having me, and what a great show! Raising Christian kids in a creepy culture, if that isn't true. It's so challenging now, so I'm so happy you're addressing it for the whole community. Thank you. So, Candy, what are some of the big ideas that you think we should keep in mind when we discuss raising Christian kids in a creepy culture? Well, I think there's probably three big principles to keep in mind if you want to raise Christian kids in this current creepy culture. Your actions just have to be intentional and purposeful and consistent. You have to keep coming to work every day and do so in a purposeful way. You're not going to be able to meet your goals to the letter every day, but you, generally speaking, want to be intentional about what you're doing and purposeful and consistent. That way, the children know what to expect, and you have a plan of action for actually developing your children in the way you want to. Stay focused on your goal. You're trying to raise Christian kids. That is a number one goal. It should take priority. It has to take priority. It's not always going to be convenient, but you must be intentional about it and purposeful and do it consistently. It's going to be a process that, I'll be honest with you, some days it's going to suck the feelings out of your head and just really deplete you. But take heart and be consistent and keep showing up for work because that's what it takes. They're small building blocks of faith. You're building small blocks every day, but you eventually will have the temple built with God's help. 
But you can't give up and you can't lose heart and your children are counting on your consistent involvement. So being intentional and purposeful about helping your kids build their own faith is one key. And you recommend having a plan of action. Oh, certainly. Have a plan of action like we would read the daily devotion together in the car on the way to school. So, you know, you've had breakfast, you're awake now, and you're headed to your day so you can receive the Word. And the children would take turns reading the daily scripture on the way to school. And that participation by them was worship, it was learning, it was purposeful, and it resulted in outcome. And at the close of the day, we would revisit that scripture and say, you know, how'd your day go? Did anything happen that reminded you of this? And then we would re-review it at bedtime. So that consistent approach to building blocks really helps solidify the Word and the Christian person that you're trying to build long-term. In addition to having a plan of action to build a faith, you say you must also have a plan that will protect your kids. What do you mean by that? You do want to protect your kids, but allow them to have a safe space to be who they are and to grow. So you need to check out who they're with, what friends they have, who's in charge. So let them have friends over and know the family of that friend. And let them stay at friends' houses as long as you know the family they're at and have checked them out. So it's all consistent performance and communication so that you don't think you know who they're with, but you absolutely know who they're with. I remember when our children were much smaller and we had to have babysitting care for them. I just went to great lengths to discern who might babysit our children. And I remember my husband kind of poking at me going, well, golly, do we have to run them through the FDLE? And I was like, not a bad idea. Because, you know, we want to thoroughly check out who has charge of our children. Can you give us an example of what you're thinking about? I remember one particular instance we were going for an event that was both work and personal on both of our behalf. So we had to find care for the children for a two-day period. In order to put the children in top priority and ultimate care, I wanted to be certain they could stay in their home, in their beds, in their environment, and bring the person in. Took me three weeks to find a person that would fit. I knew them very well. They were in the school system, and I'd check them out. And it worked out famously so that we actually were able to benefit from the function that we were going to without concern about our children. And the children prospered because they were in their home environment, and they knew this person. It just took a lot more than meets the eye, but it was worth it. You know, you just can't relax your standards for convenience of the moment. Convenience can be so tempting, but your real goals in raising Christian kids are long-term, aren't they? Um, Parenting is the long game, and each decision is mountainous. It really is, because it plays a huge part in the ultimate outcome that you're hoping for which is a faithful, productive member of society. That's what you're going for. And the Cross City community that you grew up in all shared in that long-term goal, didn't it? When you grow up in a small community like we did, you have more of a community of faith, and you could very safely and reasonably presume that the community was going to be behind you in your desire to build a Christian child. That's not so much the case now. They can stand up for their beliefs and their thoughts and their concerns as an adult, but they're not there yet. 
nor should they be expected to be. They're not small adults, they're children. They need protection on so many different levels. So you need to be sure that you're being the centurion that says, you know, this is enough homework time. And no, we're not really going to do something on a Wednesday night at 6.30. You know what I'm saying? That it's past the time of having soccer or whatever, regardless of whose schedule it supports. There's much more paying attention that's required by the parents, so to speak, than ever before, it seems, you know, to protect that. Well, there's a lot more intrusion by the world today. Absolutely. Television time, internet time, video games, and plenty of other distractions. Absolutely. And there's less of putting first things first. It's okay to say no to things as long as you're saying no to the things you should and putting yes in a priority position. You know, the things that should get a yes should really be at the head of the line. No, you know, we're not doing X until our daily scripture's done and our homework's done and this kind of thing. Are there any stories that you remember from when your kids were younger that stick in your mind as a time when you were so glad you were focused on helping your children learn about their faith? About 2,000 or so, when our children were quite small, the entire family went out west for a summer vacation. And one of the things we did when we were on vacation was we took a train ride. The whole family loves all about trains. And so we had an experience that was like a half a day venture. And we were seated next to a single parent and her son. And we enjoyed each other's company so, and we exchanged information and just had a very pleasant visit and got to know each other very well over a number of hours. And several weeks later, I got a handwritten note from this lady that was just so humbling. But I was so thankful because God was so present in that train car and so present in our exchange with each other. And she revealed that she'd had a hurt in her youth by a family member, and she'd been violated, and she had been estranged from the body of Christ, God's church. But after our time together on the train, that she felt like the Lord was absolutely touching her heart, and she wanted to return to worshiping Him in the body of Christ. And I was just awestruck by that. God is so good and so powerful and works in so many ways that we are unaware of at the time, but we trust that He's working all the while, and we trust that He never sleeps, and He was busy in that train car experience. It was very rewarding to hear from her, and rewarding for her, too, greatly. Got her back on the track. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) You were telling us a story about your mother and father, and they had a newborn. Mother and dad were married in 1950. My sister was born in 1953. She was born in August of 53. And shortly after her birth, my grandmother was only in her early 40s and she passed away of breast cancer. And my uncle, who really feels like a brother, was a young child at that time and came to live with my parents. So my parents found themselves the parents of a young son. And I adore my uncle and I adore my parents. And I think my uncle first and my parents as well did a great job of adjusting to this change in everyone's lives. And I think the Lord blessed them greatly in this process of raising a blended family. In some of our earlier conversations, you had told us that your father and mother made building a devotion to Christ was a disciplined process at your home. Your father and mother didn't just talk about their faith in Jesus and in the Bible, but they lived it out every day. How did your home life influence how you decided to raise your own kids? I think Dad imparted his faith to us by his same mantra of servanthood 
He did his best to live it, you know. None of us are perfect, and certainly he wasn't perfect, but he was very faithful and had a beautiful heart. And he lived his faith. He had devotion every morning and read the Bible scripture with it with my mother. And we all knew this. We all were a part of it. He sang in the choir for 65 years at our church. He participated in every single ministry it ever had. He and I often went on what we called secret trips together that we didn't speak of. And they were service trips to serve the Lord. You know, it's the fall time of the year when harvest comes in. It's getting close to Thanksgiving. We went on grocery shopping trips together and we delivered them to people that he knew needed them. No words were spoken about it. We just did it on the QT. So those were our secret missions. I think it's fair to say you felt led to lead your children to Jesus in a positive way as soon as they were old enough to understand some basic ideas. What ideas did you think it was important for them to understand, and how did you go about helping them learn them? Well, I think my husband and I really wanted to provide for them what was provided for us in terms of purposeful living and having traditions and a schedule of existence that they could count on as kids. So much of a child's life nowadays is far too malleable or flexible or mobile. And we both, not to intrude on your word, but felt like an anchoring was really needed to foster the family unit. So we had a schedule and a consistent approach to it. You know, we had devotions in the mornings on the way to school or whatever our day would bring. And we had what we called deer time, drop everything and read time. Okay. And we had that every evening consistently. There was bedtime. There was bath time. You know, kind of a purposeful approach. Structure provides comfort and expectations. If I'm correct, your son and daughter are about four years apart, your son being the oldest. Did you do anything differently when your daughter came along? It did change things, but I think for the better, it just enhanced our lives, you know, and and raising a daughter is so much different than raising a son. But our son was so happy for the addition of our daughter and was very protective of her in the early years. Oh, this is my baby, he would tell people. We'd say, well, we, you know, we're sort of all together here. (laughs) No, 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 this is my baby, he would say. So we very much enjoyed the two children, and we felt like that to raise the children in the fashion in which we hoped to, that we were very blessed to have one of each. And so that's what the plan was. I understand that you decided to teach your kids to read very early in their lives. In fact, I believe they could already read before they went to first grade. Yes, they both were voracious readers. Why did you think it was so important to give them an early start, and how did you go about helping them learn to read? First and foremost, so that our devotions would ring true with them and they could pick up on their own to read. So reading the Bible really was the first impetus to let's read soon. Both my husband and I did try to read as much as we could about parenting before we became parents. And everything I read would say reading is just so very fundamental to everything else. You know, so I thought, well, that's the first brick that has to be laid in the foundation is that of reading. So we can go on to scripture and then we can go on to pleasure and also to show our willingness as parents to continue the learning process. You know, we too are always reading. And they say having your child see you read is also teaching. Well, I'm sure parenting made you see Scripture in a new light. Amen. We saw Scripture in new light with children. What devotional practices did you introduce to your kids 
even before they started school. Oh, we had a children's book to show our children the very much import of praying before meals. So we had a children's book of prayer that was devoted to mealtime. So each child knew a prayer of their own by the time they went to school that was specific for having a snack or having a meal, this kind of thing. What did you do with your kids to introduce them to a positive church life? The children went to church every Sunday. And we also participated in those programs that I think are extra from weekly worship, but nonetheless incredibly beneficial, like Vacation Bible School. You know, not only did they participate in that in the years as an attendee, but in their early teenage years, they mentored in the Vacation Bible School. So they were small group leaders and that kind of thing. And then as they advanced through school, they went to summer camp that was a week long and really very worshipful and very much a retreat with colleagues of their own age. Candy, I think that parents always wonder whether their efforts with their kids are making a difference. But you had an experience with your daughter early on that helped you see that the effort you and Richard were making to develop a Christian character in your child was making a difference. Please tell our audience about what happened in the Volvo. I can tell the story of the Volvo. Our daughter was quite young because I know she was in some type of booster seat in the back seat, and it was approaching Christmas, and she and I were headed to the grocer. And in the back, she began speaking. I said, what'd you say? And she says, I'm just a bad kid. What? What's going on here? So I wheel into the parking lot and put the car in park and leave the air conditioning on because it's in Florida. I get in the back seat with her, and I said, baby, what's up? Tell mama what's on your heart. Well, 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 you know, I'm just, I'm just a bad kid, and I've just got to figure this out. I said, what are you talking about? And she says, well, you know, your closet where, where you keep some things for Christmas and this kind of thing? Well, well, maybe I looked in there. I says, oh, okay. So we looked in there. And... And and I just saw I just saw some of the things that I know were were meant for me for Christmas and, and I'm just I'm just a bad kid. I said, Listen, you couldn't be a bad kid if you tried. I said, All you were was you were inquisitive. And there are many kids around the globe that have always been inquisitive at Christmas time. So you have a lot of company. I said, But what do you think we learned there? Well, I'm never gonna do that again. I said, Well, maybe peeking ahead isn't something we're meant to do. Maybe it spoils it. Maybe it's just not our place. I said, but the real thing about Christmas isn't all the presents anyway. It's the gift of... She said, oh, I know. It's the gift of Jesus. I said, there you go. Plus, your dad and I have a couple of things up our sleeve. We're sort of practiced at this, you know. We were kids too, you know, at one time. So she was very just relieved. You could see in her face and her demeanor that, oh, I just, you know, I feel like a different person. But it had weighed on her heart. And I was just very grateful for the revelation that, oh, thank you, Lord. It's hitting pay dirt. Her conscience kicked in. Well, Candy, before we close out for today, I think it's important for the Anchored by Truth audience to know that you're going to help us continue to build this Anchored by Truth series that we're calling Raising Christian Kids in a Creepy Culture. Can you give our audience a few big observations about raising Christian kids in a creepy culture as we close out? Yes. Reward their good decisions every chance you get because good behavior deserves reward. And it's no different in the Christian's life. So it doesn't have to be with things. Your time and your love are the most valuable gifts you'll ever be able to give your child. So reward them with a little one-on-one time. 
But it's okay to specifically thank your child for, oh, you had a good week in school this week. Came out of there unscathed. You did pretty well in math. You know, reward the good behavior. Candy, do you remember the first encounter that your son and daughter had with Jesus? We had a nativity scene years ago when our son was, I'm thinking, three, around three. And we had a plastic baby Jesus in a manger. He carried baby Jesus around for six weeks. We had long past Christmas, New Year's, whatever. Oh no, Jesus is with me. I've got him. I was like, he's got you. And your daughter, did she have a first moment with Jesus? She could not have been more than three and a half. She really enjoyed having the Bible stories read to her. And we would start with the ones that had maybe four sentences on a page. But she was enamored with reading right away. In fact, I read to the children before they were born, and then very much on a routine basis once they were born. But she very much enjoyed the Bible stories. And she'd go, oh, there's still one left. You have to keep going. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Once you got the diligent part. (laughs) And the time that we, after church on a Sunday, went to pay our respects to the passing of Governor Childs, We went up to the mansion, and as we were leaving the mansion, we came around the corner, and reporters came out of the bushes and took our pictures and this kind of thing. But the picture they snapped of us, our son was holding one hand, and our daughter was holding my other hand, and our son was just using his hand and speaking to me. And what he was actually saying in that picture was, well, Mom, you know, they said he was a leader, but the real leader is God. I said, uh, yes, son, I don't disagree. You, you got that right. <laughs> and I thought, little do those reporters know that he's kind of picking apart their statements that, you know, the governor was a good leader, which, of course, he was. But he was like, oh, no, technically speaking, God's the leader. I said, well, you got that right, son. I, you No disagreement from me. He had his filters going. He knew who the leader was. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Candy, do you have any final thoughts for the Anchored by Truth audience for today? Perhaps thoughts about things for which you were particularly grateful. I'm particularly grateful as a parent for all the ancillary players in our children's lives, of which there are many. Yourself would fall into that. This program would fall into that because it's so much more valuable than you may know. Because parents who are diligently seeking to provide a Christian life for their children need all the help they can get. And it's not overwhelming out there. Man has advanced, but not in the areas that are the most important. So thank you very much for being a player in propping up, supporting, participating in the Christian family unit and understanding its importance to the big picture, to God's big picture, because they're the future of God's army. We'd really like to thank Candy Coates for being our guest on Anchored by Truth today. Candy came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by way of being raised in a strong Christian family, and she was determined to pass that faith along. Candy's story is just one more example of how sacred scripture, the Bible, continues to demonstrate its supernatural nature through lives that are changed for the better for all eternity by its saving power. Candy's life has been immersed in the Bible, and the Bible continues to be the center of Candy's life and faith. Today, since we are closing in on the 4th of July, let's listen to a prayer of celebration for the gift of freedom that comes from God, but has been protected by those who came before us. 
Prayer for July 4th Father of truth and life, we exalt your name because you are the source of all good gifts that we enjoy. You rule not only the destinies of men, but also the destinies of nations. In your good pleasure, you raise nations up and you bring others down. There is no activity in the universe, much less in the world, that falls outside your dominion. Lord, we are first and foremost citizens of your kingdom, and we seek first your glory. Still, in your mercy, you have also made some of your children citizens of the United States. We cherish this privilege that you have extended to us. This was a nation initially brought into being by men and women who found in your word a strong call to freedom and a dependence on your providence. Through their faith, you led them to establish a land where its people could choose their leaders, worship freely, and work for their own prosperity. We are grateful for their virtue and the vision that they brought into reality. Today, we celebrate the legacy that they passed to us. In celebrating today, however, we are mindful that this nation has wandered far from the principles on which it was established. In America today, too often, freedom of worship has been exchanged for license to condemn the worship of the one true God. Regard for the sanctity of innocent human life has been traded for the false idol of convenient choice. Free enterprise has been chiseled into the cheap counterfeits of rapacious commercialism and rampant consumerism. Respect for truth has been sacrificed on the altar of diminished discernment, and reverence for you has been trampled beneath smug, self-satisfied, and presumptuous feet. We pray that you would forgive us for wandering so far, and in your mercy we pray for restoration. We ask that you help us to again embrace your word as truth and your call to holiness as a personal charge. We pray that you would renew our passion for a relationship with you that is truly redemptive and not self-indulgent. We pray that you would guide and direct our leaders and bring many to a saving knowledge of your majesty. We pray that your children would again become salt and light through the steadfastness of their testimony. The Bible commands us to be good citizens. We celebrate today because we cherish our citizenship in this nation. We pray that we would honor our freedom by helping others to see the real liberty found only in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also, or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where... We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, C-S-E-A, 
and books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Thank you for your support. Are you hungry for truth? Most people are today. Between changing social standards, cultural chaos, and denominational deviance, confusion is sweeping our community like a tsunami. Will we be swept away? Or will we be anchored by truth? At Crystal Sea Books, our passion is the Bible. The Bible came from the mind of God. The words of God are powerful in truth and love. God will give us peace and strength as we honor His Word. At Crystal Sea Books, we believe the Bible can be a dynamic part of adventure stories, lyrical rhythms, and even humor, as well as inspire our prayers and meditations. That's why Crystal Sea Books is so pleased to offer Purposeful Prayers and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers. Many people know that prayer is an essential component to a powerful Christian faith, but they feel uncertain when they begin a prayer commitment. Let R.D. Fierro's Purposeful Prayers come alongside you to help you prepare to go before the throne of grace and find the peace and power that comes from learning to pray purposefully. And getting a copy of Purposeful Prayers couldn't be easier. Just go to crystalcbooks.com and use the link. That's crystal, C-R-Y, S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, books, B-O-O-K-S, dot com. In Purposeful Prayers and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers, the Bible's timeless wisdom is captured in a devotional study of prayer and in prayers specifically designed to build faith as you focus on interceding with your family, friends, and nation. Get your own copy of Purposeful Prayers today. At Crystal Sea Books, we're not perfect, but our boss is.